Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you. And it has been a busy week, not only for us on this show, not only at CincyJungle.com and my boy John's A to Z sports site, but it's also been a whirlwind of podcast appearances by he and I on a couple of other great shows. But it's good to be coming back at all of you with our takes on the Cincinnati Bengals, and we've got a couple of draft profiles on players as well this week, so we've got a lot to get to. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He is John Sheeran. John, fresh off the the War Room episode with our boy Malik. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, myself, Malik Wright, Evan McPhillips, and Logan Fulmer, all Bengals dudes, just chatting Bengals draft. You know, we went through an entire seven-round mock draft and kind of mocked what a war room would look like if it was just four amateurs just bl- blurting off their biases <laughs> and whatnot. But it was a lot of fun. I think the draft went went pretty well. So if you guys want to check that out on Malik's channel, the sit down with Malik Wright on YouTube, definitely check that out. Yeah, do that. And uh, we, I had the pleasure of speaking once again on Strawberry Ice's show, our guy Jeff Trenopole. So that um, we were able to simultaneously stream that over to our channel. So that's available too. Uh, appreciate this call. I love seeing this from our boy Mark right when we hop in here. Just wanted to say that the Cincy Jungle and Locked On Bengals and Wincinnati podcast are the places to be to get all your Bengals updates. The crew here at Top Notch are very informative. Who day? We appreciate you, Mark. We appreciate all of you. And of course, if you are new here, welcome. We would love to have you, whether you're watching on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page with about 80,000 others that like that page. You can uh, go ahead and smash a thumbs up there if you like what we do on the YouTube channel ourselves we've added in a new show three and out with jason and kevin and doing a lot of other different things as well you can get that on the icon underneath the cincy jungle icon underneath john's side of that video there click that click the subscribe button and the bell to be notified when we go live when new content is available and of course our show three and out talking football with bengal jim and friends and coach speak and chalk talk all on the cincy jungle podcast channel for your drive time or commute or train time, whatever you're doing, give us a listen, give us a rating and review. We appreciate it. All right, John, I talked about this a little bit on the earlier, there, there's some happenings that uh, we've already, I've already kind of touched on a little bit and I want to get your thoughts on. And then there's some new comments, developments, etc., that have come about this week from the owners meetings in Arizona. So let's kind of talk with the acquisitions or reacquisitions that the Bengals made a busy, busy week for them. Three uh, re-signed Trent Taylor. They re uh, they, they signed cornerback Sidney Jones. And then they, um, they, uh, you know, also signed, of course, Irv Smith, the tight end from Minnesota, your thoughts on particularly, I think Taylor was a guy you, you figured they, they were going to get back. And that was a guy they wanted back special teams 
reliability and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I think you look at Irv Smith and you look at uh, the, the cornerback here, good moves for what was left on the market, right? Yeah, for starters, I believe Trent's, Trent Taylor like agreed to terms like a week and a half ago, and they just couldn't get him into town. So I don't know what he was doing, but he finally got <laughs> to town, I guess, to He's on vacation. official. Yeah. Right. But yeah, entering the week, you know, like I made a depth chart updated piece for the Bengals and like, yeah, there's there's some some minor holes here that are just beyond what tight end and running back and right tackle are. And yeah, tight end and cornerback seemed like obviously tight end was a huge glaring need That's entering it. this week. And we we haven't really talked that much about what a contingency plan is in case Chidabe was a doesn't come back in time at cornerback and that's why Eli Apple his return was always a possibility was always something that you know was kept in the back of our minds and Sidney Jones that news happened first like yeah this makes a ton of sense as the next version of Eli Apple because both guys were pretty high high round draft picks that didn't really work out at their previous spots the 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 difference here is that I believe Sidney Jones is a much more fluid athlete he had that billing coming out of Washington and I think he's better attacking the ball he's got better ball skills but he's still 27 years old he has some minor injury history to his name and he didn't work out at the previous stops but the difference is you know he didn't exactly burn those bridges that he had so he comes in 20 again 27 years old very solid depth a very adept player in zone coverage like significantly better in zone than he ever has been in man which i think matters to the Bengals just because of how frequently they play zone and th- that was one of eli apple's weak weak spots right he would jump on double moves and he wouldn't always be trusted in off coverage he would have bright moments as well it's another thing we, w- we should mention about eli apple he's going to be like the perception of him is a lot more negative than what it actually has been on the field like he was a legitimately solid player for elongated spurts with the Bengals but I think with Sidney Jones you get a more consistent player that kind of fits schematically better in this defense compared to Eli Apple and Irv Smith was clearly the best tight end or at least the most talented tight end left on the market everyone and their mom knows that and of course the Bengals only do these deals at at nighttime, right? It was midnight Eastern (laughs) when that news broke and I was about to go to bed eating dinner like oh I guess I gotta do this now but no, it, it made a ton of sense, right? A one-year deal for a guy who's 24 years old who the only issue with his career right now is, has, has been injuries. And that's something that still kind of matters with the structure of this p- position group, right? You don't know if you can trust getting 17 games plus the playoffs out of Irv Smith because the last two seasons have been a torn meniscus and then an ankle injury. And then both of those things kind of unfortunately pushed him out of Minnesota. They traded for Tarkinson. They made Josh Oliver one of the highest-paid tight ends, even though he's just a third-string blocking tight end. So his whole future in Minnesota was cut short, and he was left looking for options. Do I go to Miami and my former quarterback in college, Tua Tungvaluwa, or do I go to Cincinnati with my training partner, Jim Chase, and probably a better chance to win with Joe Burrow? And he chose the latter. And now this is just the third tight end in this offense in the past three years, the second consecutive one on a one-year deal. And arguably, Anthony, this might be the most talented one because Irv Smith is a slightly better athlete than Hayden Hurst. And this offense now, it's a ton of yards after the catch opportunities for the starting tight end here. And I think that kind of fits what Irv Smith does. Yeah, and I haven't dove real deep into the blocking of Irv Smith. But, I mean, I've seen some clips where I'm like, hey, he gets in there. You know, I mean, he gets yeah. – he, he can he can get in there and, and do some work there. He's not as tall. I think Hurst was, what, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Uh, Smith is about 6'2". So, I mean, there's a little bit of a height disadvantage there. But I think the athleticism is um, definitely appealing. And, and look, man, I mean, I, I would love to get your take on this because, you know, a lot of people, when you look at Irv Smith and you look at the numbers, you go, 
oh man, especially when he was kind of an exciting guy coming out of college. uh, Some thought he was going to be a first round pick that year. It wasn't, but you kind of feel like, oh man, there's some underachievement there. Well, there were some injuries, number one, but number two, John, I think a lot of people forget how buried he was in Minnesota. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen played behind Kyle Rudolph. I mean, he was he was kind of a guy that just got lost in the shuffle a little bit. And then, of course, they throw the ball to Dalvin Cook and others uh, out of the backfield often as well. So he just kind of fell down the pecking order. I can't say he's going to come to Cincinnati and not get lost in the shuffle a little bit with all the weapons they have. But I still feel like even with that, he can be a guy that could potentially be a nice decoy and or open things up others because of that athleticism and maybe put up the best numbers of his career so far here on this one-year deal in Cincinnati yeah it definitely fits more of like the body type of like a Delaney Walker right and those tight ends have had obviously a ton of success yeah. and that's on that's honestly a little bit of a trend now with the current Bengals tight end room like they're all kind of built like coach and James Casey because Casey if you, if you guys remember back in Houston, I believe he was on some of those teams that beat the Bengals in the first round of the playoffs in the early 2010s. Yeah. But he was like 6'3", 240-ish, kind of like the half, the H-back type size. H-back, and that's yeah. what that's what uh, Devin Asiasi, that's about his size right now. So maybe that signifies, maybe they'd be open to drafting the tight end in that similar mold. I think the biggest, obviously, the injuries are something to, to monitor with Irv Smith, but also he's had some issues just with, you know, just catching the ball sometimes. And the Bengals have been known to if you are a prominent member or if you're just a backup in this offense and you struggle with drops you probably won't get the ball so there's, there's a lot of upside with Irv Smith but there's also a lot of caution that's why he was on the open market at 24 years old taking one year deal right now to, to play with a contender so the position group is not at all solved but it definitely puts him in better like they, they they had literally nothing entering this week so this was not the bare minimum that, that they could do, but it was the best possible thing they could do considering what, what was left in the market. And again, younger, right? A, a higher athletic profile. Um, and you're seeing that in some of the position. Same thing with, with the Jones signing, right? I mean, younger, athletic guy, a guy that, uh, you know, you're, you're influxing a little bit of youth in that position there. And I, I think they're doing that at some positions, although – you know, some of the departures may not be the most popular because some of these guys were very liked, you know, well-liked guys in the fan base and in the locker room, you know, Hurst, Bell, Bates, et cetera. So um, still, I, I, you know, the Bengals made some good moves there in the third week of free agency. I mean, about as best as you can kind of get it with those two position groups at this point yeah, what, in time. What wave are on right the, now? Is this like wave seven, wave eight of free agency? I don't I don't. I called it third, but I don't even think it's okay. third. It's probably like fourth or fifth. I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> even know. Funny story, though, just a real quick side note, like sidebar. You know, you mentioned that Irv Smith and that news came across at like midnight Eastern on what was that a Wednesday or, or whatnot? Monday night. night, yeah, yeah, Monday night. And so I, you know, <laughs> I, I waltz into our you you know our Slack channel at Cincy Jungle. I waltz in there going, hey, you know, it's nine o'clock my time. I'm I'm going to get this one because everyone's asleep. <laughs> Lo and behold, I already, our guy Jason Markham. He's already got the story up and everything. I'm going, damn, dude, you guys are. On top of it already, I, I was kind of going in there thinking I was going to be the one to type it, but I did not get the, the notoriety on that one, John. But moving on, now we got to get to some of the not-so-great stuff. Um, Jonah Williams, uh, I said this kind of the other day. I said it to Strawberry Ice yesterday. The Bengals have a simultaneous good and severe problem at right tackle. They seemingly have a lot of good options on paper. Obviously, Lael Collins went healthy. 
Um, you know, now you're looking at Jonah Williams may, potentially making that switch, and you know he's one of your five best linemen in general, despite a pos- positional switch. Uh, but he doesn't want to play that position, it seems, and he's on a one-year deal anyway. Leo Collins coming back from Pup. You've got Cody Ford as maybe a fallback option, short-term option, as one of the this thing gets figured out. But he hasn't played right tackle in the NFL since, what, 2019, 2020? So there's just a lot of, like, you got a lot of options, but you also kind of don't have a lot of options because they either don't want to play or they haven't played there for a while or they're hurt. Now there's some more stuff. I mean, tongue-in-cheek verbiage. He, Jonah Williams was, quote, blindsided by this news about Orlando Brown Jr. coming to the Bengals, that the Bengals were even interested in him. Oh, by the way, go check out our episode last week. We did talk with Orlando Brown Jr. That was a hell of a good time. But I don't – I mean, I, I can understand being surprised, I, I guess. This just kind of gets keeps getting – I don't know if it's worse and worse, but definitely weirder and weirder. No, it's definitely – I'm sorry. If, if his agent put that to, if if his agent gave that exact quote Blindsided. to Kelsey I mean, Conway, it, it's just it's just mwah, it's Chef's kiss. It's so perfect because <laughs> because I like people know me. Like I'm not someone who just you know bags on Jonah Williams constantly. I obviously I understand he has his faults, but when he does lose, you know, you, everyone can put two and two together here. So that was just right. that was impeccable. But you know, people have. People are right in saying the trade requests happen all the time, and they're kind of put. They're, they're not really publicized. You know, there's always some discontent, discontent between you know star players and whatnot, and usually it just resolves it resolves itself. This was a player who clearly just is not happy with anything that's going on right now, and he went to his agent because of that. And his agent is continuing to push. We are receiving offers like we we have not been treated well. We want out of this situation. And I don't know if that's going to be enough to get the Bengals to move off their point. But everything that Katie Blackburn, you know, Zach Taylor has said this week about Jonah Williams is, yeah, like we understand where he's coming from. He's our right tackle for now. And unless we get a trade offer that changes that, he's going to be our right tackle this season because it's probably in Jonah Williams' best interest to just gut this season out at a position that he doesn't want to play because if he doesn't, and he sits out and he loses that money and loses the chance to enter free agency next year. It's not going to be good for him. I don't know how much leverage he possibly has in this situation. The and the only like way that he can get what he wants is if like he does something drastic. But I don't foresee that in the case. This is just someone who obviously has a clear plan and clear desire of playing left tackle somewhere, and that should open up a market. But right now, no, nothing. There's just nothing there, right? And it's in the Bengals' best interest to see what the draft has to offer, whether they get the chance to select a right tackle of the future and then they're open to maybe moving Jonah or they just get an offer that they can't refuse in the draft because another team missed out on a left tackle and then that door opens up right now. But right now, the asking price for Jonah Williams is a little bit higher than the offers coming in. And to the Bengals' mind, that's we value this guy as a starter. We, we plan on him being a starter. We plan on him cooperating. And until something changes with that, that's just what it is. So I've got a question for you, John, because I've kind of contended that it's not so much positional luster that comes with this potential trade, you know, this trade me, I don't know, ultimatum, I guess, that that Jonah and his agent have put out there. When we talked to Orlando Brown last week, he talked us through what goes into changing from one side to the next. 
the growing pains, the issues that can arise when doing that, particularly if you've played one of those positions throughout most of your particular career. He likened it to, you know, a, a boxing or a fighting stance. You know, you're, you're, you're going one way and all of a sudden you got, you got to kind of flip, you know, for me, you know, skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding, it kind of be, you know, a little bit akin to, you know, riding one way and then maybe going goofy foot or vice versa the other way. You know what I'm saying? So I, it's that being said, I'm kind of wondering if it's not so much I'm a left tackle and left tackles make more money and this sort of I almost wonder if there's a worry that if he has growing pains this year, moving to right tackle in a contract year, he struggles, maybe doesn't play as well as he has in the past at left tackle. He's looking at his next contract, which is the big contract of his NFL career and saying, well, this move, it's not so much right tackles get paid less. It's, I may have some sort of, and, and I don't want to say he's self-doubting himself, but it's still, I mean, it's a, it's a positional change. There may be something in the in the back of his mind or the forefront of his mind saying, this change could cost me money because it there's going to be a transitional period, and I don't know how long that's going to be. I think that's definitely part of it. I also think there's, I don't want to say ego, but Jonah Williams came into the NFL wanting to be a left tackle. Like just, it's, it's the same reason why, I think we talked about this, it's the same reason why Orlando Brown became available because he wanted to be a left tackle and he didn't want to move off of that, right? And he had to put up being a right tackle with the Ravens for a couple of years and then he got a taste of being a left tackle with the Ravens and says, yeah, like that's what I want to be. I've been, I've had this dream, I've had this vision and goal since the time I was a teenager, right? The opportunity that my dad never received and then he got that in Kansas City and then Kansas City didn't want to pay him like a left tackle so that's why the Bengals ended up getting him on a deal on a discount to be their left tackle Jonah Williams can desire the same thing but people think that that's wrong for him because he's not as good as Orlando Brown he's still a quality starting tackle somewhere in the NFL if you're in that range of like 30 to 40 in the 64 starting tackle rankings you deserve a chance to start. You have earned a chance to start somewhere. It's just a matter of if that opportunity exists with a team that's willing to take on just a one-year deal worth $12.5 million, or if they want to extend him to potentially lower that overall cap hit. So, yeah, I do think it has something to do with the fact that the, the right tackle market is still lagging inexplicably behind left tackles just because the TJ Watts of the world, they still rush against right tackles, and they're still just as valuable as left tackles. But I also think it's a type, kind of an ego thing that Orlando Brown also has. What do you think, uh, just total hypothetical, what do you think the interest level would have been if Jonah was a free agent tackle in this market this year? Like, do you think he was, you know, going to get Juwan Taylor type of money? Do you think he was going to garner that type of, I mean, the Bengals got the top tackle on the market in Orlando Brown Jr. Juwan Taylor was probably, you know, one of the next in line, depending on your view of him, Mike McGlinchey, et cetera. I, I just out of curiosity, total hypothetical. I mean, what, what do you think the interest level would have been in Jonah Williams had he been a free agent this year as opposed to next year well according to um our friend jason von stein in the chat he would get zero dollars and zero cents on the open market but <laughs> again i think that i think the consensus on jonah williams is pretty clear he's a league average left tackle he's a league average tackle and he's league average because of his physical limitations but also i think the reason why he wouldn't get as much as Juwan taylor is because of durability and that's just something that teams care about and rightfully so like he's unfortunately dealt with injury issues over the past few years he came into the league injured he's had knee issues he dislocated two knees this past year we don't know where his physical state is right now so i think that would unfortunately lower his price but a fully healthy jonah williams 
the same exact player, right? I believe that player gets between 15, 18 million dollars per year, which is more than what he's getting paid now. So, well, yeah, well, I mean, again, I don't know exactly when this will come to a head and and in what way in terms of a trade and what would be netted, but it's not looking great um, in terms of the relationship between the two parties at this point in time, Jonah Williams and the Bengals. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. To kind of... I don't. I mean, I just. I. I don't even know what to do about this one. Oh boy! Uh, And I kind of sounded a little bit like Katie Blackburn in that audio clip. Uh, You posted it on Twitter. It got a lot of run there. Definitely listen to that. Other people. A lot of people are saying, "Oh boy, what you know?" Do you have it queued up? I I do have have it queued up. up. All right. Let's see if we. Yeah. Okay. So context. This is Cincinnati.com's. Kelsey Conway asking Bengals executive VP, essentially the owner of the Bengals at this point, Katie Blackburn, about where she thinks Joe Mixon is right now in terms of being the starter for the 2020 season. As it stands right now, is is he in the plans to be the starting running back this upcoming season? Um, right now, he's on the team and we're... Um, you know, we are going to count on him until until that wouldn't be the case. But yeah, he's he's the guy. Um, he's done a lot of great things for the team. I think he's still got a lot of production in him, and um, so um, 
I hope his other issues all get resolved in a positive way. Um, but we'll um, keep plugging along and hope that everything gets resolved for him one way or another. And yeah. So is that? Oh man! Uh, wow! You know, like I do know. That's <laughs> just like it's the opposite of a ring endorsement for sure. The Bengals, when that when they were addressed about T. Higgins' trade rumors, right? Because that was being circulated in the media, they just stomped their foot on the ground, slammed their fists on the table, and said, "This is absolutely ridiculous. This is not happening." The question before that was Katie Blackburn being asked about Joe Burrow and any potential contract updates about his extension. It was a very clear, concise, thoughtful answer. You know, nothing's really happening right now, but when we have something to say, like we'll say it. She answered a bunch of other questions with uh, Jay Morrison and Kelsey Conway in the interview while apparently like they were in a zoo and birds were chirping and, and kids were, were laughing in the background, <laughs> supposedly distracting her. That answer... St- objectively stood out compared to the rest as a question that should have been expected from Katie Blackburn's end. And it was just the most meticulous dancing around an answer and basically giving everyone the answer without just saying it. Like every sigh and pause to me sounded like, what do you want me to say? Like, obviously he's not really in our future plans, but he's here right now because he's all we got, and he's he's the best option right now because we don't have a replacement. It's been obvious for the past month that the Bengals don't want to pay Joe Mixon the $10 million in base salary that he has this year. They don't want to have his $12.6 million cap hit for this season when they have extensions in the works with Joe Burrow and T. Higgins and everything else that they have to do this offseason. But when Samaji Pirine left for Denver, and they offered him the same deal that he, that he took Denver I felt like that was the point where it shifted from Joe Mixon is probably getting cut in March to Joe Mixon is on the team until they see how the draft kind of unfolds. And if the draft unfolds that the, that the way they want, either Joe Mixon is being offered a pay cut or Joe Mixon is not being sent to Bengal anymore. That's exactly what that said to me. I agree with your how you're seeing this and what what you think you're hearing. I agree with a lot of that. I'm going to say that I'm going to say a couple of other things that stand out in that audio and also some context going back. Number one, I think they are, I think they're good people. I think they're nice people, but Mike Brown and, and others have not seeming for them being on hard knocks twice and being involved. They have not, they are not microphone uh, hoggers like a Jerry Jones or something like that. They are not used to being, in the limelight. That's why they hire coaches to uh, that, that are, are, you know, bit kind of bigger personalities or people that, you know, engage a, a bit. Marvin Lewis was definitely like that towards the first part of his coaching career. Zach Taylor has definitely been that guy. Duke Tobin has kind of been a, a little bit of the, the, the megaphone for the team, if you will. So the ownership group kind of tends to shy away. And I don't know that they're always totally comfortable in front of microphones or cameras. Now, Elizabeth Blackburn has proven to be, when you listen to her talk and you listen to her get in front of people, she's she's uh, a little bit different in that respect. I mean that with all due respect with that. 
sometimes people are introverts, extroverts. We all, we all know that it's not a, it's not a big thing. I understand also potentially the distractions of the noise and whatever was going on in the background there. The thing she brought it up twice though, John. The off-field stuff. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing that really sticks out to me because and oh, I hope it works out well for him. I hope it works out for him. Now, I think there was something yesterday on the second off-season incident that Joe Mixon's name came up with with the the unfortunate shooting of a um, of a teenager who I, I guess by all accounts is doing okay, but I think it was maybe his sister's boyfriend or something that was involved in that. There's some kind of some information that came out with that. So at, at any rate, you know, kind of moving on with that, that's something that sticks out to me a lot about this sound clip was, you know, it's not so much, yeah, I mean, she's maybe being elusive and doesn't want to give an outright answer. But I think the reason to me that sticks out is that, twice mentioning of the off field stuff. And I, I just think that they're not, they, they'd be a bit more all in on him. If those things, even if he ends up clearing his name in both of those, I, I, I just think they're, that really got to them and this soundbite kind of proves it. Yeah. It, like, and you got to remember the, the first incident, it was him downtown reportedly. And like they filed a case and, uh, his agent kind of got it cleared up, at, I think, on that first day. But then it, it's still like an ongoing investigation. And it's I think it's a little bit trickier than people get out to be. Like the second one, like I know he wasn't involved with, but I feel like th- there's still something going on, unfortunately, with that first one. And that's why like yeah. those answers were just so like tiptoey kind of around it. She had to be very careful with, with what she said. And they want to respect, you know, the process kind of unfolding. But yeah, man, like just for now in that whole spiel is doing the work of like Atlas holding up the world, right? It's like <laughs> you're you're our starter for now. And I just I just want to say like if that question was about like Bobby Hart or Drake or Patrick or any other obvious cap casualty in, in recent years, would anyone be really trying to bend that quote and be like, oh, well, she didn't outright say like we've seen this before. No matter who it is, no matter what their standing is or what they've done with the team, the Bengals have a formula with this. They don't normally cut guys until they have found their replacements. And I've brought this up multiple times now. Andy Dalton was on the team for a week after Joe Burrow was drafted. So much to the point where people were wondering if Andy Dalton was going to be his backup for 2020. Yep. They, yep. they, Everyone and their grandma knew that Joe Burrow was the first overall pick months before that draft. And they didn't do anything with Andy Dolan's contract until Joe Burrow came into town and signed it. So they have done this before. They don't move on from guys until a replacement has signed on the dotted line. And that's probably going to be the case here. That's probably going to be the case here. But we will have to see. Uh, I think if Mixon does stay, it's going to have to be at a different price point, price tag, cap hit, and all of that. It's just with with the move for Orlando Brown Jr., potentially keeping Collins and or Williams, however that situation works out there, they've got a lot of things to juggle. And that salary cap hit, that that contract that he currently is in with all, all the things going on, it's kind of an albatross with the Bengals right now. But, um, I mean, there's no doubt that Joe Mixon has been a productive player. The off-field stuff has not been an issue up until this offseason. Obviously, going back to the college incident up to this point now where there's a couple – where his name has been brought up a couple of times in off-field stuff. So, 
that hasn't been an issue in his time in the league. But, um, you know, now it, we're just looking at a different set of scenarios here. And the Bengals are, you know, kind of tiptoeing around what what the answer may be here. And I think you, we may get an answer, a clear answer one way or the other. We'll get a pretty clear answer as to what, what the direction is based on what they do in the draft. We're going to get to some draft profiles in, of a couple of players in just a minute. John, did you want to talk about anything on the Burrow contract extension or uh, t- touch on that? Not necessarily. Like, I feel like she answered that question pretty correctly. It's, I, I think it's best to kind of keep all of that under wraps. Like, you don't want it to get – obviously, you don't want the situation to devolve like it is with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. But, you know, the Eagles and the Chargers are all kind of going through the same thing. It doesn't really do anyone any good on both sides to kind of leak stuff out there because it just kind of sours the relationship. I feel like – I think what uh, Katie said was that they want to find something that where both sides – are happy and are it happy. kind of feels like that's just that's just what it is right because burrow's agent is going to push for something astronomical rightfully so he's, he's representing one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl and the Bengals to respect that while also making sure that they're not handicapping the rest of their salary cap situation so i feel like that's that's kind of the vibe that that kind of got and that might take the entire offseason but if that's the case you know it is what it is it is what it is and it sounds like you know they, they're also putting out the 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 hype machine on the team T Higgins, New yeah. Jersey number. So I don't know if that means something is in the works there as well. As you noted just a couple minutes ago, I mean, they definitely were saying he's not for available for trade. So, uh, you know, I know they want to keep him long-term, but just, you know, making all this stuff makes sense. All right. How do you feel about number five real quick though? Like, are, are you more of a traditional guy? You want receivers in the eighties? Like, how do you feel about number five? Well, I mean, there's that, I mean, we even talked about it with him when he, when he, when we talked to him in the, winner right about the number 85 and now it's funny when this number came out that was like one of the first places my mind went to i'm like well i feel like a dummy now because he probably had it in his <laughs> mind the whole time that he was going to make a switch to five uh i mean just there's something special about that number obviously with the Bengals, but um you know i if that's what he that was his college number i get it you know i mean that's that's what he wants and um you know if the league allows it to happen i think you know having one and five out there that's kind of cool Boyd made it clear he ain't going to three, so it's not going to be five one three, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't have a big problem with it. I, I, it's just more the the tradition behind that specific number for this team. You know what I mean? Right. And also, um, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Cincinnati's getting a new area code. It's actually going to be two eight three. Yeah. I think in this month. Yeah. So I think I think that whole dream of five one three is is already kind of in the past now. <laughs> Well, then you got, yeah, then you got 8-3 with Boyd, I guess, right? I mean, yeah. that's, uh, that's in there. All right. Well, all right. Well, moving on. Let's get to some draft prospects. I've got one on each side of the ball, one defense, one offense. And, John, wouldn't you know it, absolute shocker. Where are they? Absolute are they shocker. <laughs> they are... They are sort of Pac-12 guys, and I say sort of because one guy, both players played for two different colleges. One played for two different conferences. Uh, the other played within the Pac-12 for two different teams, and the other played one Pac-12 team and uh, another conference. So what do you want to go with first? Do you want to go with the defense or the offense first? Give me, give me defense first. No defense. It's probably better because the the offensive player has a little more star power behind his name than the, than the defensive player. All right. So this is going to be a guy that not a lot of people may may readily recognize. Uh, I was asked about this specific player 
on Strawberry Ice's show. His name is Makai Blackman. He is a cornerback for the USC Trojans. And I, uh, you know, I, I knew a little bit about him, but I, as I told you uh, a while ago, really, I was more into Thule, to, uh, you know, Thule. I'm just going to go with Thule there. Uh, as the guy, USC Trojans defensive player that I kept my eye on because USC's defense was atrocious last year overall. But this kid had some nice moments. You can see here uh, he's 5'11", 178, 24 years old because he's a redshirt senior, did play at Colorado for four years and then moved over to, to USC. Ran a pretty decent 44.47, 36-inch vertical, 10.5-inch uh, broad jump for Makai Blackman, a corner out of out of USC and Colorado. So I was asked about him. Um, tackles 142 total, 66 of them last year, and that's going to be a theme with him. Uh, interceptions, he had five in his career, three of them last year, though. Took some nice leaps with, with the Trojans last year. D has one career sack. It was not last year. 25 passes defended a career best, 13 last year. So he was making a lot of plays out there two forced fumbles one of those last year two fumble recoveries one of those last year as well but you look at the passes defended 13 last year there's some there's some good reasons for that and some bad reasons for that he's around the ball he's active he's very aggressive but uh the usc trojans defense got picked on quite a bit here's him knocking one away in the end zone look wait this is what i want to uh get to here look at him look at the tug do you see that the yeah. tug at the bottom of the jersey and a tug late, but then look at the ball skills to come down and play receiver. That's kind of that kind of encapsulates him. I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind that a little bit. Uh, let's go back to the beginning of this play. So he he's he sticks well with guys, particularly in five yards. But as the the worry is, is he gonna have a lot of illegal contact, a lot of penalties in the NFL? Look at this nice play. Tips it up to himself, gets the rebound, interception. That's a nice play. Uh, active, knocking the ball away there, comeback route. Uh, he is a willing tackler. You see him get in the mix there on a on a swing pass to the running back. He does get turned around a little bit on plays, but look at him stick with this play. Not a good throw, really, but look at him stick right here, out jump the defender, knock the ball away. That's a nice play. He gets beat here at the senior bowl, though, but still kind of right there. But you see that again, John, jersey tugs, right? Yeah. Jersey tugs. And I'm going to pause here for a sec. Here's the RAS, not nothing super outstanding. He does have a good composite speed grade there. You see the 10-yard split in particular. The vertical, uh, okay, the broad jump, good. 6.57 unofficial. That was one of the more recent ones I saw from him. So here's kind of the takeaways with this kid. He has experience in the slot and outside throughout his college career. He is hyper-aggressive, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. He'll tackle, but he's not big. So he may lose out on some of the tackle opportunities, but he gets in there and he makes tackles. He's got good speed, good feet, the hips, you know, he kind of flips. I don't know. He's late to flip them around. He kind of gets turned around here and there. He's a man press guy off man. And you mentioned how the Bengals like to play zone. So I don't know fully about the fit here. He does recover. Well, you saw that, but sometimes the recover, the recovery ability comes with some tugging and whatnot so does that, you know, maybe add to penalties, make him a penalty machine in the NFL? I, I like a lot of the tenacity. I like the speed. Um, but there's some stuff there that obviously there, there's some big questions with him. 
a guy that I was specifically asked about. So I looked a little more into him. Um, I, I think, you know, if you're looking for cornerback depth, if you're looking for a guy to round out the bottom of your depth chart, a guy to be a CB4, um, maybe even CB5 special teams guy, I think, you know, you could use a day three pick on this guy and, and use that speed, use that tenacity, that willingness to tackle, use all of that and harness it into a player that, can fill out the back end of your roster, back end of a position group. Not a guy, especially not right away, that you would want starting in the NFL and probably will need some coaching up. But like I said, physical, aggressive. He is older, so you're probably getting – I don't know how much there is left to coach up when he's 24 years old, right? So, um, Which is a weird comment to make because it's way younger than I am. But <laughs> you, you know what you and I mean? When when coaches look at a 24-year-old coming out of the draft, they, they look at that. So, I mean, I, I like the kid. The the value would have to be there. There are definitely some some holes in his game, though. Quick question. Yes or no? Don't even think about it, right? Do you think he has that dog in him? <laughs> I, in a way, yeah. I, I do. Yeah. I think it, because he's got that tenacity. You can see it. I mean, he's he, he's not really afraid of contact. He's not afraid mm-hmm. to press a guy at the line. Um, so that's why I almost go, you know, is is a short area, maybe maybe if you bulk him up a little bit, might he be a slot guy in the NFL where you, you pop, since he has some experience there, you pop him inside a little bit. And because he's got that 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 dog in him a little bit, maybe he's a guy that can work the shorter area and eliminate some of those downfield illegal contact tugs on the jersey type of penalties because he's working more in a short area. Yeah, there's. I think there's equally as much working for him compared to working against him in terms of fitting with the Bengals because 15 career penalties in college is not going to cut it for Lou Anarumo. Nope. I'm just like it's, it's, nope. it's just not right. And that was an issue with Cam Taylor Britt. Uh, early in his rookie year, right? And unfortunately, kind of kept him you know, on the sidelines for a little bit. But the thing about older cornerbacks, or just older players in general, it, is that they typically stay in college for longer just because they haven't really you know, broken out yet. We, they haven't really put together that season. So having that good season, a 91.9, uh, 91.1 coverage grade per PFF last year in his final year with the, with the UC Trojans, like that's phenomenal, right? He, I think mm-hmm. he had a lot of pass rating, just 46.1. He had, he had the ball production. You have... The, the physical aggression, and I feel like that definitely is something that Lou Narumo and just the Bengals in general really value in, in their cornerbacks, right? But being 5'9 or 11 and 178, a little bit on the lighter side, that that's concerning up until you realize that, okay, but it doesn't really impact his physicality. He still gets into all the business and everything, so he kind of overcomes that size. I, I my, my concern with his size is that he's not a great athlete at that size and being having 31 inch arms means that to me that he can probably bulk up a little bit more, but how much of his athleticism are you sacrificing because of that? It seems like he'll be fine as like a spot starter, but older cornerbacks in general, like William Jackson's a great example of this. And obviously this guy's going to go in the first round like William Jackson, but his peak William Jackson was as a second year, technically first year player with the Bengals. And he was already 25 years old. And a lot, unfortunately a lot of times the cornerbacks, you get their best years on their rookie deals because it's like 23, 24 years old. That's when you typically see like the prime of these cornerbacks. And sometimes you have chases like uh, cases like Chidabe Awuzie when they kind of develop into their second contracts. But that is kind of the disadvantage of just older prospects in general. But I think if you bulk him up a little bit more, like you're not going to, he's already not a great athlete, so you're not really sacrificing that much. But that might allow him to survive a little bit more on the outside because I think just the aggressiveness and the willingness to get in there at the catch point, I think that's definitely going to help him. 
Yeah, Robert Obrecht says sounds like a late round guy, which yeah, I, I think he's day three. Um, I don't even, and I don't necessarily mean even round four. I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, later in day three. Um, what is his size? He's about five ten, five eleven, sub one eighty is kind of what he has weighed uh, weighed in at. Can you see Mike Hilton in his game? I mean, it's hard to say because Mike Hilton has become a polished slot guy already as it is. Um, he's a little smaller, is Mike Hilton, but he's it's, it's similar kind of tenacity. Play with play with your hair on fire a little bit, right? I mean, I, I, so I see it in that regard. Different builds, different players. I think a little bit, but I, I'd be interested to see whether I, whether he ends up with the Bengals or not. I'd be interested to see where a team plays him. Does he end up being a slot guy because you want to limit some of those downfield penalties? But he's got you know some decent quickness and and, and other traits that you like. I don't know, but interesting player. And I was specifically asked about him, so I wanted to do a little uh, further digging on him. All right, so let's go on the offensive side of the ball. And this guy, John Sheeran, is uh, a guy that I – he's one of my favorite guys in the draft. He's not at the position. He's not the most elite speed, talent, elusiveness, et cetera, but a guy that I think if you have him on your football team, you just love him and coaches love him. That's Zach Charbonnet. Obviously played, started his career two years at Michigan, two years at UCLA – and really kind of came into a become a more versatile guy at UCLA. He was kind of just that straight ahead running back at Michigan. Asked him to do more uh, receiving with the Bruins there. He's six foot, 214. He's a true senior, 22 years old. He was a first team All American last year and All Pac 12 first team. He ran a four, five, three. So again, the long speed necessarily isn't there, the absolute burner speed, but it's good enough. Uh, in terms of speed in the NFL at the running uh, running back position, so a guy that and we'll look at some clips here in just a minute. But um, you know, here's here's the carries five sixty six. Uh, so there's a lot of touches here. You, you know, uh, five hundred sixty six carries in his career, one hundred ninety five last year, three thousand three hundred forty six rushing yards, almost fourteen hundred last year. Very impressive. Seven point Six point eight yards per carry average last year. Thirty nine total rushing touchdowns. Fourteen of them, oddly enough, seventy five catches, zero rushing touchdowns. And if my research told me correctly, I don't think he lost a fumble in his career. I could be wrong about that, but I looked at a couple places and it it didn't note a fumble. So uh, fact check me if you want. But I show this because the Bengals have had some trouble at the goal line, and he's a guy that did not have so many problems with that. Here he is as a pass catcher, pretty fluid. High and out tight. there and you yeah high and tight boom 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 <laughs> boom and carries a couple of guys and what i love there is a little bit and i mean this in the best way possible there's a little bit of the little hop step mixing type of move and you'll see it here again where it's a nice cut right p ryan did it as well and then it's up field and it's and then you kind of see the vision then he'll take on guys so he's got a, a good build here um Here's a, a nice pass catch just right down the right down the sideline. Cuts back inside, gets more yardage there. Got to like that. Here's one where he cuts it outside, kind of back in, carries a guy for an extra five yards. So there's some power. There's other things uh, that, that you like out of, out of this one here. This is one that's just kind of a nice straight shot and then back to the outside, and there he goes off for a big gainer there. So you like that. Uh, here's the RAS score. A bit better than the last guy, 8.62 than the last guy we just covered, uh, Blackman. Uh, you see the height. He's got good height, decent weight, 
Um, you kind of wish he was a little stronger, but strength seems to be a guy, a a trait that, you know, is, is what he's all about. You see the explosion grade, great. The agility grade, poor composite speed grade, great. So he's fast, he's explosive, but not necessarily super elusive though. I saw some early elusiveness on some of those. And of course the RAS score courtesy of Kentley Platt of math bomb. I saw some initial elusiveness uh, and, of course, physical taking on guys, take carrying players. I saw some good vision. Uh, I think you get some uh, receiving ability that is still developing. I don't see the long speed. I don't see the, the big shiftiness, but he'll make a move or two in the open field to get some extra yards. He's got a lot of college touches, I think. I mean, uh, so he's got some wear and tear, strength, uh, good build. I didn't really look into – pass protection snaps uh and I, I see this guy as round two but I, I didn't really look into pass protection snaps by Charbonnet but things I've read things I have seen point to him not only because of the strength in his body build um but also just you know when they have occasionally asked him to do it he'll take on the linebackers and do what's needed there they just asked him to run the ball and catch the ball a lot not not so much pass protect as much uh, with with the Bruins so a guy I really like I don't think he's he's going to be perennial Pro Bowl type of player I don't know if he's bet destined to be a Hall of Fame player but I think he can be a very very effective player potentially a three down back for for a team if you want to go there and you probably got to get him in round two I would think so I released uh, a mock draft kind of predicting what the Bengals will do and he was my second round pick because it makes it makes so much sense to me like I feel like that's the likely strategy or like the likely pick at this point, just because the Bengals love that second round running back succession plan. And honestly, like I've heard this as a negative from people, but he does remind me a lot of Joe Mixon. Like you said, mm-hmm. like his running style, it it just looks like shades of a 22 year old Mixon. And I don't think that's a bad thing because I think Joe Mixon's fine. If you're not paying him, you know, 12 and a half million and, I think he does. I think you're, you're right. I think he does just read his blocks better. And Joe Mixon reading his blocks better is probably a much better running back, even at this stage, right? So the thing with Charbonnet that I think he does better, uh, I, I think he absorbs so much better and he's able to get yards out of the contact so much easier. He was 14th in the FBS last year in yards per contact per attempt with like 4.2, right? Joe Mixon's yards per attempt with like 3 something or like 3.9. So the ability to absorb and run through contact and have a various variety of moves to just bounce off of guys. Like, he doesn't necessarily make guys miss. That's not really his his game, but the ability to just run through guys and to not go down at the first touch, that's something the Bengals could use to turn those, like, third and sevens to, like, a third and three or uh, something along those lines. But, yeah, similar build, similar athleticism, similar running styles. Again, in that second, late second, early third range, it, it just makes a ton of sense to the Bengals. Like, we can get a cheaper version of the running back that we've had for the past six, seven years in the spot that we typically draft a running back. And I, I don't think he's a bad prospect necessarily. I do pause though, like you said about the overall uh, usage in his career. Like I, I don't know if they're willing to take on a running back that has been you know, through so much in his, in his college career. But I think that's also why he probably isn't going to go earlier than like the fifties or sixties in the draft, just because he's got a lot of wear and tear already. Yeah. And I, again, I, I go back to, I mean, he wasn't asked to, pass catch as much at Michigan and then when he came to Chip Kelly at UCLA it was like hey I mean this guy can do a little something for us here let's let's utilize him 
in the passing game, and he he did pretty well with it. I, the the fact, looking at it, I I could have sworn he had multiple receiving touchdowns. So looking at it and not and seeing a goose egg in that column was a little bit oh okay, but he gives you effectiveness at the goal line. He gives you kind of that initial cut to make sure that he gets positive positive yardage out. You know, if, if things kind of break down up front, he'll give you that initial cut to make guys miss, and then he will run through guys and fall forward for extra yards. Um, again, I don't, I don't see this as the next, you know, Gale Sayers or anything like that, but a guy, I think that it can be a, a very effective back. You will probably want to mix in, uh, pardon the pun there. You <laughs> will probably want to want to have someone else in the running back mix with him, uh, you know, as you go forward. But, you know, I, I he kind of reminds me a little bit of how the, Seattle has seemingly found running backs that keep uh, not Marshawn Lynch, but like, you know, your, your Chris Carson's, your Rashad Penny's and remember Thomas Rawls, uh, mm-hmm. the guys that just run hard, they make a cut or two and they just find ways to be effective. And that's what this kid really reminds me of uh, a, a guy that just find you know, a cut or two, nothing super splashy can do things in, as a receiver, but can, you know, make guys miss here and there and be an effective player. And I think in terms of like where he goes, I don't know if I would use the 60th overall pick on him. I know the Bengals would probably probably be intrigued, but again, like the lack of like a special athleticism trait kind of makes me pause. And obviously, just running backs in general, you know, I feel like you can find production anywhere in the draft. It doesn't always work out, but there's just enough evidence to say that you don't need a second round pick to find a solid starter. But again, this is the Bengals we're talking about. They they have their ways, they have their methods. And it feels like Charbonnet checks off a lot of boxes. And obviously they talked to him. They met with him at the Combine. He tested well enough. He seems like a great kid. And also 92.6, I believe, rushing grade in gap schemes. And that's where the Bengals running game is going. He knows how to read his blocks. So he he does seem to fit with what they would do at running back now. Yeah, I like him. I like him. And I, I, I think there's a good fit there. But we'll see what happens. All right, let's drop the mic and get out of here. We've slammed through a lot of stuff. John, what do you got for us on our way out, my friend? Nothing much other than, yeah, if you want some more Bengals content, aside from the great people at Cincy Jungle, head on, head on over to a to zsportscom backslash Cincinnati, covering the team. All the moves and everything going on there. There's a lot of places to get your Bengals content. But also, if you haven't checked out yet, I was on uh, Malik Wright's show uh, with Evan McPhillips and Logan Fulmer breaking down the seven-round mock draft and duking it out war room style. So definitely check all that out. Please do. Please do. I don't have uh, too much more other than I think to go back to one of the talking points from earlier this show, I think the Irv Smith signing is going to pleasantly surprise a lot of people. I know a lot of people are already excited about it. Um, but you know, when you're, when you're talking about, wow, you know, they, they, the Foster Moreau thing didn't work out and, you know, these other players didn't work out. I, I think that this could not only be an effective signing for them just from on-field production, but on one of those one-year rental deals. And hopefully he parlays that into a nice uh, contract for himself, be it with Cincinnati or somewhere else. But uh, hopefully he can stay healthy and, and do some of the things or all of the things that the Bengals hope he can do. That's going to do it for us though. And we'll be back with all kinds of different things. We've, Peppered you with content on our YouTube channel. We've had a ton of different episodes on our audio uh, audio channel. So hopefully you enjoy those. 
And if you're so inclined, we are still uh, helping out. We might do something a little different, create a specific account or something, but we are still helping out Orlando Brown Jr. and his um, charitable endeavors as he identifies one in Cincinnati. So if you are so inclined, you want to leave a super chat in the YouTube channel or Venmo us or whatever, uh, maybe we'll start a Patreon. I don't know. Um, please do. And we'll, we'll make sure that money gets to where he wants it to go and we appreciate his time as well. John, take care, man. We'll, we'll talk soon. Talk to you guys later. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.